rolling. What's happening, y'all? Andy and Zach recording from Zahn's Brewing here in Nashville, Tennessee. It is a beautiful spring day out. We're in early April. Mm-hmm. The flowers are blooming, trees are blooming, the birds are singing. I was to say my sinuses are angry. The Tennesseans are sneezing. <laughs> it's a grand old time. It's, it's honestly my, it's probably my favorite part of the year. When it's getting green out, but it's not too hot. Oh, I love this time of year. It's, I, I, well, I don't mind the heat, really. I don't. But this time of year is great. Except, like, this weekend is going to get cool again. So, like, on Saturday when we go lift, it's going to be, like, 55 is the high. Really? Yeah. I'm okay. Kind of, this is the kind of the time of year where I'm, like, we're, like, so close to, like, breaking through to being, like, warm weather. But then we have, like, these little cold snaps. But yeah, like, if you have outdoor plants. If you live in Nashville and you have outdoor plants, you should bring them in this weekend because it's supposed to be cold. Yeah. Annoyingly. Yeah, got to keep your eye on the weather mm. for your, your plant babies. Yeah. Well, cool, man. It's, it's been quite a year so far. And yeah, it's... Um, episode 64? I think so. That's yeah. nuts, man. I know. This year is flying right by. I was going to say. We are coming up on tax time. That's right. Easter time. Mm-hmm. Good times. Well, I think, I think we can. I think we can spill the beans. Oh, about next week. I think we can spill the beans about next I week. I think we might as well. We may as well tease it out. Well, because this will publish Friday, and then I'll give everybody a couple days. Well, never mind. <laughs> It'll give them a week to be prepared. Well, considering that only uh, four people total tune into the live stream, and only. One might actually be paying attention at any given point in time. That's true. We can spill it right now. And and, it, and probably skirt under the radar anyway. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, and, hey, take it from somebody who's, like, half my job is to promote things. And you can spend all your time promoting something, telling somebody it's coming, telling people there's a deadline, et cetera, et cetera. And people, it'll still go in one ear, not the other. That's true. Yeah. Um, but... We are super excited to have on the one and only Coach Dan John. I know, I'm very excited. On the show next week. A man who probably needs no introduction, but if we could give him a brief one anyway. I was going to say, you're going to have to do that because you're the man with words. <laughs> I'm the man with too many words. You're the, you're the man with the good words. <laughs> I, I like how you put that. Uh, so Dan John is probably, as far as I'm con- for me, he's probably the top in the top three uh, influences on the way that I approach training and coaching. I would agree with that statement for me as well. Yeah, uh, he is, I guess, by trade, for lack of a better term, he's a. Uh, track and field coach mm-hmm. has had a long history in the uh, throwing sports, mm-hmm. uh, the discus, um, and has uh, been a coach for probably every sport, <laughs> but primarily track and field sports and uh, football. And in the early 2000s, let's say, um, maybe a story that he'll kind of share and fill the details in with, but he got plugged into kind of the, the first big wave of 
uh, kettlebell training and functional fitness, that, that whole thing. And so um, between his, his writing mm-hmm. and his books and his programs and being affiliated um, to a large extent with the, um, like the wave of kettlebell training, uh, he very much rose to popular prominence uh, relatively late in his career. Mm. You know, he's, he's been a strength and conditioning coach for decades at this point. Um, and yeah, yeah, probably around, I suppose, 20 years ago is I think when he really uh, came, came on the scene. Mm. And he's, like I said, he's put out a bunch of books. He's put out countless articles. You've, you probably will see his name on pretty much any major fitness mm-hmm. publication, whether that's uh, forums, blogs, websites, magazines, you know, everything from T Nation to Men's Health sure. to, you know, various training forums. Uh, and to this day, he still competes in Olympic weightlifting. That and uh, Highland Games? Is he still competing that? Uh, I don't know how active he is, but he's, uh, yeah, he's a Highland Games champ and mm-hmm. Olympic lifting champion and uh, discus, obviously, uh, champion. Uh, so he's, he, he really walks the walk and uh, oftentimes writes the talk because uh, he's, he's such a great writer. But in recent history, he's started a podcast. He's, gosh, he's, he's probably done over, uh, oh, he's probably done hundreds of podcasts at this point between yeah. his own and, and being a guest. So all that to say, um, his work, his influence has just been, has, has really made a major impact on my career. And I think probably most strength and conditioning coaches um, in recent history would say the same. Thank you so much. Welcome. <laughs> so we are so stoked to uh, have him on as a guest. And you're right. I, th- I think I own like six of his books, at least six. And if I had to gift any book, any training book all time, and I own a whole bookshelf at, at my gym, I have a whole bookshelf full of training books. If I had to gift only one, it would be Dan John's Never Let Go. It was gifted to me years ago by a, a mentor of mine, um, and I loved it. And, and such a great book. So anytime I have the opportunity to gift a training book to another training friend, that's the one that I pick. Yeah. So very influential. And I love his training style. And, like, we were speaking off air that, I've often used Dan John's books and his writings and his teachings or whatever to sort of as almost like a North star when I felt like I was getting a little too cutesy or off the rails or, or, you know, a little wild in my programming style, I would go back and read his material and it sort of, it would sort of cut away all the fluff and all the bullshit and like kind of recenter my perspective as a coach. So very influential. So I'm very excited to talk to him. I've never spoken to him. Mm. I've spoken very highly of him, <laughs> but I've never actually talked to him. Yeah. Yeah, he, I, I think outside of the raw information, the raw training information that he puts out, the biggest lesson that I try to absorb and that I try to pass on to other folks in the industry is his 
ability to communicate. Mm-hmm. You know, we can probably rattle off um, any number of Dan John isms, mm. sayings, workouts, rules, lists, etc. And this whole skill of taking a you know, wide-ranging topic, a nebulous topic, and just putting it into concrete form, mm-hmm. concrete words, being economical with your words, mm-hmm. and making your ideas sticky, easy to remember, mm-hmm. is a huge part of coaching. Right. Yeah, I often, I think I say often when I'm writing programs at work, um, keep the goal the goal which is a Dan Johnism, I believe, um, unless he borrowed it from somebody, but I'm pretty certain I read that from him. Um, but yeah, I mean, I use it, again, like as a sort of a guiding point when I'm writing programs at, at work. I'm like, what is the goal? What are we trying to do? And don't get too cute and like off the rails and get sideways trying to come up with like this or that programming tactic. Just, you know, what's the goal? Yeah. Well, what are we trying to accomplish? Yep. And, then, and then go from there. Yeah. Yeah, he has a way of package, packaging a whole idea into three to eight words. He has a great economy of words, we great, might say. Great economy of words. <laughs> you know, keep the goal the goal. Eat like an adult. Yep. He's got a couple more. Um, We're doing pretty well for not having read any of his material recently. Work, rest, play, pray. I don't know if I know that one. I like park bench and bus bench. Park park bench versus bus bench programs. I do like that one. Yeah. Litvinoffs. Mm-hmm. Which we've spoken about on the podcast before, I believe. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. It's a fun workout. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, there's, there's so many. Mm-hmm. Snapacity. I don't know that one, but. Um, hip hinge continuum. I was going to say, you probably know more than I do, but. And then, of course, he invented the goblet squat. Yeah. You know what's funny, too? Like, I read, um, he has a book called Can You Go, which is an assessment book. And I read it at a time when very detailed assessment protocols were very popular. I think some of these assessments that have been popular in the past are falling out of favor now. Um, At the time, because I was always on the fence, like I've never considered myself, this is going to sound weird, I've never considered myself enough of an authority to definitively make a remark like, FMS is dumb. That's not a fair statement for me to make because the functional movement screen serves certain purposes for certain coaches under certain circumstances, but not for me. But I don't think that I have enough authority to be like, oh, well, generally the FMS doesn't, whatever. That's not for me to say. I don't have enough authority in this field to do that. Nor would I hope that I ever get to a point where I'm like, ugh, anything I don't like is bad. I hope I'm never there. 
But I've always kind of been wishy-washy about certain, like a lot of very popular, you know, protocols, modalities, or whatever, assessments being one of them. Dan John's book, Can You Go, came out, and I read it, and I was like, God, this is kind of along the exact same lines of what I've been thinking and feeling this whole time, but just didn't have the authority or the confidence to, like, plant my flag. Right. Um, and and I, I don't remember all the, all the assessments that he does, but they're very, very straightforward. Can you stand on one leg, like, in balance? Can you do a plank for longer than 20 seconds? Like, very, for lack of a, a, for a better word and a very butchered word, like, very functional, very appropriate for the gym setting assessments. Mm-hmm. Um, we can talk about FMS and stuff like that on a different podcast if we want to, but, yeah, I mean, you know, anyway. Yeah, well, you know, it's funny, uh, Dan John and uh, Gray Cook, inventor of the FMS, and also right. and also Chatham, Virginia, neighbor of mine. Oh, I thought you were gonna say fan of the show, and I'm over here talking trash. Fan of the show. <laughs> no, I'm sure he has better things to do. <laughs> he has, uh, yeah, his his plate's probably too full to listen to our podcast. But yeah, I mean, Dan and Gray have done a lot of work together. Mm-hmm. You know, and what's I think. What's important to keep in mind is that things like the FMS or even something like FRC mm-hmm. or any other three-letter acronym, like when it comes from a doctor of fill-in-the-blank, right? it almost has to be a little technical, highfalutin, highfalutin <laughs> you know? But then... And, and, and that's great. Sure. And that's, that's great. But then you have someone like Dan John, who his, his he, correct me if I'm wrong, his higher education is in theology. Mm-hmm. Right. His, his degree is in history. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's not, he's not a doctor of physical therapy. And again, I could be wrong, but I don't think he has a degree in kinesiology or exercise science. I don't think he does either, but that doesn't mean anything. Well, it's speaking to my point of that, again, he's been an Olympic lifter, power lifter, discus thrower since he was a a kid. Mm -hmm. And his strength, I, I think, literally paid his way through college. I think you're right. You know, so he so he went uh, he went to school on scholarship and and that whole thing. So, uh, and again, he can rely on years of experience in the gym, in the weight room, both with himself and with like teams, high school teams, collegiate teams, training all manner of people. Mm-hmm decades of doing that he comes out with an assessment which is how many pillows do you sleep with at night (laughs) you know for his for his his uh like mobility assessment right one of his mobility assessments is how many pillows do you need to sleep with at night right which i think is brilliant yeah which i think is so brilliant because it opens up like the everyday conversation sure as opposed to let me get out my protractor and measure these angles right it's Neither one is good or bad, but it's it's where it comes from, right? You know, and again, for for boneheads like me, 
I, I certainly love to kind of dig into the, you know, the more minute science and getting out my protractor and, and, and that whole thing. But yeah, at the end of the day, when I'm the one who has to talk to regular people mm-hmm. on a regular basis, you want to speak their language. Right. And the thing is, is that Dan John speaks the every man's language. That's what I think what makes him such an enjoyable coach and also author. Yeah. Is when you're reading his material and when you, when, when you see his podcast, I'm sure when we talk to him, it's not full of like technical jargon. Now, there are some people in our industry that I highly respect that can throw around technical jargon and make me feel like an idiot. And they do it well. They don't, they don't do it in a way to make everybody else feel stupid. They're just that high level. Yeah. And I can barely keep up, if at all. But I like Dan John and the simplicity that he brings to an overly complicated field of strength and conditioning. I'll make that statement. I think that our field has become overly complicated. And, and, and this is maybe why I enjoy his work is in an overly complicated field. He is sort of this, you know, pillar of simplicity and pragmatism that I very much enjoy and respect. And so I think that's why I'll lean kind of towards his work whenever I'm feeling a little in the weeds with everything. Because very practical, very straightforward, every man's kind of programming, strength and conditioning, assessments, whatever. Yep. Hmm. Yep. It's practical. It's applicable. Well, and it's, you know, it's relatable. It's, it's one thing to, to your point, it's one thing to, to ask a question like, how many pillows do you sleep with at night? Something that people are, like, can eat, like the lay person can easily relate to. If you lay them on a table and you start measuring internal rotation and external rotation, you know, degrees or whatever, it doesn't mean anything to, the, to a normal person. And also, like, as cool as it might be in a, as an assessment, it, I don't know what it means practically. I don't know what the standards are. I don't know what that means under load. If, mm. you know, passively you have a certain amount of internal and external rotation, that's cool, like in your hips. What does that mean when you have a weight on your back? Yep. Does that hold water? Does that mean anything when there's a weight on your back, or does it not matter? Yeah. But, yeah, Dan John's like, I don't know. Can you squat? Can you go? Yeah. And that's basically my assessments. And I think about this, I'm thinking about it a lot more now because in three weeks I go to MTSU to do my guest lecture mm. and I need to revamp the whole thing because I, I think I'm going to, I'm now coming at it from a different perspective now that I've been a gym owner for six months. Now I have to come at it from a different perspective. So... I feel a little bit silly when I talk to a room of kids and I tell them, <clears throat> my assessment is, here's a weight, can you squat that? How, what does it look like? What does it feel like? Does it feel like shit? Okay, let's try a different thing. That's literally my assessment is, can you do a push-up? Can you do a squat? What does the trap bar deadlift look like, feel like? Like stuff that we're going to go ahead and do in the gym anyway, we're just going to go ahead and test that shit because I don't think I have any use for T-spine mobility assessments or overhead squat assessments or inline lunge, FMS, whatever this or that. I, I, I don't have use for that. It doesn't make any sense to me. And I don't think it makes any sense to my client base who just wants to move better, feel better, burn some calories, lose some weight, get stronger. 
some of these assessments get a little bit outside the realm of what the client wants and needs, which is why I don't use them. Mm -hmm. Are these going to be... Are these pre-physical therapy students? So these do they do they want to be strength and conditioning coaches? Some of some of them will want to be physical therapists. Some will want to be strength and conditioning coaches. Some will want to be gym owners. Do any want to be podcasters? Oh, invite them. Be like anybody want to be on a podcast episode? <laughs> you got to drive to Nashville, but if you want to drive to Nashville, it is fun. So they're usually mostly freshmen, sophomores, and a few juniors. In the past, because this will be like my eighth time doing MTSU. Mm-hmm. Um, in the past, historically, I've talked about my own experience, which we've talked about on the podcast, but like, I didn't start out to be a gym owner, let alone even a personal trainer. I, I was an engineering student and then I got into exercise science and then I spent the next three years trying to make my way to physical therapy school, which I got into, but then declined and got my master's degree instead. So it was like, it's more about this winding journey of it's okay to make mistakes And I encourage you to go get involved now as a freshman or sophomore versus what I did. I didn't really get involved until a senior in college, which is why I pivoted so hard last minute. But had I started earlier, I might have pivoted differently Mm. in my career. Not that I'm I'm not, I don't have any regrets, but the point being, go get involved, make mistakes, pivot earlier so that you're not making executive decisions two weeks before you graduate as a senior yeah. is, has been largely the backbone of that discussion since I've been doing it. Now that I've been a gym owner, that will change slightly. Mm-hmm. I think that message is still there, but yeah, I mean, I'm a gym owner now, so things are a little bit different in terms of what I talk about. Sure. So I'm trying to figure that out. But one thing that they'll probably ask me is what do you do for an assessment? I'll be like, I don't know. I literally take people through a workout and then I write down what looks good and what doesn't. <laughs> It sounds too simple, but to you know, going back well, to talking about Dan John, it's practical, it's pragmatic, it, it checks all the boxes, and they get a good workout, so they feel good for having done something. Yeah, I think that if I made them feel, Thank you. oh, another Dan Johnism, don't make me feel stupid. If I'm doing stuff yeah. in an assessment that makes them feel stupid, yeah, then. I'm making things work harder. I'm, I'm creating barriers or making this uphill battle. Yeah. And, you know, that's where I think we, I think we should kind of draw a little distinction between PT and training. Right. You know, because PT, you're talking about insurance. Sure. You're talking about the medical field. Sure. Is that appropriate to say? Thank you so much. Welcome. And... You know, PT obviously has a certain set of constraints that they have to work with. Mm-hmm. Training has a lot more freedom. Mm-hmm. And with that freedom, you know, um, can ironically make things far more simple. Right. You know, because, again, if you're, if you're a PT, you're thinking, okay, maybe I only have six, eight weeks with this person, whatever the case may be, and I have to... I have to be accountable to the insurance company for every little thing that I have this person do. Sure. That kind of thing. If you're a personal trainer, strength coach, you're maybe more part of this person's weekly lifestyle, sure. weekly schedule. And it's just like this, we're talking about long-term commitments. So it's like, 
you know, again, long term, if, you know, if we're talking about two degrees off on the protractor, you know, going, you know, going back to that example, that's practically not going to really influence our plan. Right. Because we're talking about big picture mm-hmm. and we have a long time together. We can work big picture. Right. And, and that's where so many of, again, like the Dan John-isms like come into play. Because if we have the luxury of working with people on a regular basis over the long term, we can really move the needle just by following some of these bigger North Star principles. Right. I've been doing this a lot lately, actually, with... I'm talking about, like, like you know... Um, snapshot versus um, like big picture um, in my gym I have a, a lot of people safety squat um, if I can get not like right off the bat but if I can get somebody safety squatting relatively quick I do the primary concern for my clients early on when we start safety squatting is how deep they should go am I going deep enough into that squat um what I like about what I do is the answer is almost always yes. Even if by powerlifting standards, the answer would be no. For us, the answer is yes. Right now, we're just learning. We're just learning. We're grooving. We're having a good time. We're trying something new. We're going to see how low you can go. And if you don't want to go that low, that's okay. There are ways that I can work around that. So, like, for example, if they're doing a safety squat... And they're, you know, their hips are hitting above parallel. Fine, I don't care. And I'll tell them, I'll be like, look, the only way, the only reason we have, like a, like a, a, a standard for depth is because of powerlifting. Mm-hmm. If you're not a powerlifter and you're not about to step on stage, it, unless you're shortchanging depth by like a mile, like doing a quarter squat, I'm gonna let you do your thing. And and there are ways that I can tweak it to make it look better, feel better, get a little more depth. The worst case scenario, if I want more hip depth, then I'll put them on like a deficit reverse lunge or a deficit split squat, and I'll, I'll get my depth. Yeah. So it's one of the, it's like that. Or like bench, same thing. When people start getting heavier in their bench, they start shortchanging the depth. I just make them do forced pauses, you know? Right. I'm like, I don't care that much. We are in here to have fun, lift weights, have a good time. If I want to find ways of challenging depth or range of motion, I have those tricks up my sleeve. So, like, rock it. Let's go. We're, yeah. we're working. We're doing the thing. I'm, I just don't, I, you know, per the assessments or even as a coach, I don't want to become or I, I don't want to create extra barriers for whatever, um, I'm, I'm using air quotes right now, whatever success looks like in the gym. Mm-hmm. The fact that you showed up and that you put forth effort that is a gold star. I give everybody gold stars in my gym all the time. Yeah. Yeah, if, if, if we're thinking about what's the opposite of, of like a barrier, for some reason my mind goes back to the game of shoots and ladders. I forget who I was talking about shoots and ladders with. It wasn't with. me. It, I it don't wasn't know how you. To play that game. <laughs> <laughs> so I played shoots and ladders as a kid. Like okay. that, was, that was one of the board games that we played. But um, so, well, if memory serves me right, in the game, you would not want to go down a chute because that would put you back down at the bottom. Okay. But let's say for this example, like in training, I'm, I'm looking to grease the slide. Okay. Keep people moving. 
Sure. Keep people flowing. Sure. Keep people going. Um, and if you're always putting up these arbitrary standards for people, again, you're, you're creating these barriers. You're creating more steps for people to take. Right. Some people might be inspired and motivated to accomplish some of those steps, but more often than not, we can have a tendency to just put up these, you know, arbitrary standards in the gym that a lot of times may or may not be appropriate for, for different people. And again, we can drive, we can drive clients crazy trying to jump through hoops. Yep. Whereas my thing is, is like, Hey, once you get in the gym, once, once you've been coming through the front door, it's a grease slide. Mm-hmm. We're, we're keeping you moving. It's success. It's success. It's success. It's motivation. It's momentum. And anything that I can do to kind of keep that train rolling, mm-hmm. that's my job. And have people having fun along the way. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, going back to the Dan Johnism, which is don't make me look stupid. Right. You know, especially in the gym, it's hard enough to get the average person in the gym in the first place. Once they're there, don't make them look stupid. I tell my clients all the time when they come in, they're like, if they're feeling tired or they're just not, they're just not into it, but they showed up. I'm like, look, the hardest thing you had to do today was walk through that front door. That was the hardest set of anything you had to do. It's already done. Like showing up is the hardest part. Now that you're here, we're just going to, like you said. We're going to grease that slide. We're going to slide downhill. How many times have you had to totally throw out the workout of the day that you had planned for somebody? A billion times. Probably more often than not. All the time. Probably more often than not. All the time. See, you know, hey, the best laid plans, however that saying goes, what's the Mike Tyson saying? Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. <laughs> so real life is that punch. Yeah. And you walk into the door and like suddenly, wow, this, this person just has a litany of problems. Sure. I mean, hey, you know, a bad night's sleep and poor recovery, that's just the beginning. Right. That's just the tip of the iceberg. So, you know, again, one of the reasons why Dan John from day one and to this day continues to be an inspiration is because he shows us how we can keep progressing mm-hmm. without things being just so, right. without things being so perfect. In fact, I think if you could boil down maybe the methodology of Dan John, Dan John method, it's really a way of continuing to move, continuing to branch off in other areas, not, not to be more complicated, but to be more simple mm. to keep people progressing. Right. And that's why his stuff is so valuable. It's progression through simplicity, not progression through complexity. Mm. I love it. Yeah. So that's, that's a lesson that I try to employ on the daily with my approach to training and in my content. Mm-hmm. You know, again, with everything that I put out, um, I try to make things practical, applicable, and I try to offer steps for people to take that should be appropriate almost no matter 
where you are, you know? Even though a lot of times uh, I, I get very detail-oriented, and I think that could be construed as like advanced content or advanced techniques, but it's really just more nuanced ways of looking at training, of applying training ideas and methods that will be applicable no matter where you are, mm -hmm. whether you're a rank beginner or you know, you're more advanced. That I think is the mark of, that is what I'm trying, that's the mark that I am trying to hit in, in my content and, and in my coaching. And shameless, shameless plug, <laughs> shameless plug and segue. Um, that's exactly what I tried to do with my latest kettlebell program that is at the time of this official podcast launch will be available to the public, um, which is uh, a three-phase kettlebell program that I'm calling Kettlebell Synergy. Mm. And I settled on that particular term because this whole idea of ingredients synergizing together, mm -hmm. I think is the real magic of training. Like how can this exercise and that exercise come together mm. to form something new? One plus one equaling five, six, or seven, as opposed to just two. And that's, that's really the fun thing about training and what we do in the gym is how do we intelligently stack strategies or exercises uh, in order to boost and maximize results. Mm. And um, in this uh, program that I'm coming out with, um, from a training standpoint, from a nutrition standpoint, from a motor learning standpoint and technique work, um, I'm kind of bringing all these things in together to really offer like a one-stop shop program where if somebody's like, hey, what, what go-to program do I need to practically maximize my strength, my endurance and work capacity, muscle mass, what's a program that I can follow for fat loss and mobility and general physical preparedness. Mm. I kind of wanted to put out a flagship program that would address all those things. Mm. And that's what Kettlebell Synergy is, is all about. I was actually reading it last night and I really liked it. You like, got an advanced was, copy. I was going to say it was very thorough in terms of like, shit, dude, sorry. Like this has like a table of contents and everything. Like I was really impressed. It was very well put together. And so, and it's what a three, three month training program, right? Mm -hmm. So three phases, three months with a nutrition component to it. And I didn't get through all of it, but I'm sure there's like a, warm up there's a bulletproof like shoulder kind of thing in there that i was starting to dive into because my shoulders are shit so yeah i was very impressed it was very good looking and also i told you off air that there are parts of it that i think i'm going to incorporate into my own programming yeah, i'll have to figure out like how it fits but but yeah 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 dude well as as is often the case like you have an idea for a project and then you go into it and you're like, hmm, but I could incorporate this. Mm. And then I could incorporate that. 
And again, it's not in the interest of making it any more complicated. Hmm. It's just in the interest of making it more useful to more people. Right. So thorough. More, yeah, right, thorough. I would rather there be, and this probably speaks to my coaching style, I would rather, I'm going to be careful about how I say this, I would rather give more information than is needed than give so little information that it warrants extra questions. Right. Now, depending on who I'm talking to, I will literally sometimes be like, Zach, you'll ask me a question, and I'll be like, do you want the short answer, do you want the long answer? And if you're looking for the short answer, then I'll give it to you. I don't love doing that, but I can. I'll yeah. do that. If you're like, you know, well, I'm curious about the long answer, then I'll inundate you with information so that you can make an educated decision on whatever, the, you know, whatever you're asking me. And I also shimmy my shoulders when I ask. Yeah, like this. Uh, uh, give me the long answer. Give me the long answer. Um, no, and I do that with my clients. If, if there is a short answer and a long answer, I'll give them the option because, and we yeah. talked about this last week, I, yeah. I don't have the economy of words. I also don't want to be the kind of coach that just gives like tic-tac advice. Mm, mm-hmm. I'm not going to do that. That's a throwback yeah. from last week. Yeah. <laughs> For those who have been following along yeah. intently. But yeah, like I'm not going to be that kind of coach. and I'm not, I, It's just not who I am. Yeah. I'm never going to be that coach. Yeah. If you want simple answers complex questions don't ask Andy basically is what I'm getting at sure well that's why you have a podcast that's true and a gym and a gym where you can like deep dive in I with can people. and that's I think that's another you know feather in the cap for this approach of like work like the value of working with people on a regular basis and keeping them moving mm-hmm because someone might come in with a question that does warrant a very nuanced and complex answer. But if you know that you're going to see them two or three times a week for at least the next six months, you, maybe you can give them the verbal short answer. Sure. But the long answer you're going to be playing out in training day after day after day after day. Right. You know, so it's like, well, I could tell you all this stuff or you could just show up for my workouts and right and do what I tell you to do <laughs> well and, and you know what's funny about that is actually like in a weird way um, having done this in the gym for so long and, and being asked certain questions there's a lot of a couple of my clients uh, Leah who might be listening to this podcast like she's one of a handful they make they, I say they make fun of me it's all in good fun they make fun of me for like my Andy-isms so, like, for example, if someone, you know, we're training, doing something, does this look good, feel good, should I do this versus that? I'm like, look, it's all work and it's all good. And so they'll literally, as I start saying it, they'll say it out loud with me. They'll be like, it's all work and it's all good. Or, um, you know, the artwork that I'm getting done, both Witnesses Fitness and... Um, have you tried being strong? Yeah, I like that. Yeah. It, like, there are these like Andyisms that are like uh, ultimately sort of condensed versions, almost like Dan Johnisms, condensed versions of these complex ideas. Mm, so mm. like going back to the, we were talking about squats and depths, depth earlier. It's all working. It's all good. Yeah. If I want to find depth in your hip, knee complex, whatever, I know how to do that. It doesn't have to be right now in the squat. There are, there are things that I can do. Yeah. And so 
yeah, it's all working, it's all good. Have you tried being strong? Witnesses Fitness are all just condensed versions of these, like, sort of, um, you know, uh, uh, larger, like, ideologies about what we do in, this gym, in the right. gym. And it just, it's very simple and straightforward. And the best part about it is it is the quick answer. It's the tic-tac answer in the moment. Yep. They'll literally be like, oh, this is, you know, this is really challenging. How can I make this easier? And be like, have you tried being strong? <laughs> it's the best part about it. So I'm finding ways of condensing these, you know, long-winded whatever answers to complex questions into these like little Andyisms. And now I'm plastering it. I bought stickers with those that artwork and those sayings. They're they're gonna be here like this week. So I've got stickers coming. I'm making shirts right now. But it's a whole thing. So I'm, I'm pumped about it. I'm very excited. I'm going to put a little pressure on you here on air. Okay. We need to make sure that we send Dan John some shirts and stickers. Oh, I can do that. I'll do that. Yeah. I, I'm, I bet he'll like them. I hope so. I think he would. I, I don't so. know why he wouldn't. They're funny stickers. And, and the artwork is fabulous. Here's, the, here's my favorite part. So I have a, a sign-up sheet at work right now for <laughs> everyone to write their name and their T-shirt size. Mm. And then I have two bits of artwork that are going to be on shirts. Now, the reason that I put both on, on a piece of paper and I have my client's initial next to, I make them pick their favorite design. Mm. Like, if you had to pick one or the other initial next to it. The reason I did that was because I wasn't sure if one design was going to be way more popular than the other. Right. And if that were the case, which would be fine, I just wouldn't bother making shirts with both designs. Right. So far... It's like a 60-40 split. Ooh. So I'm going to be buying a lot of shirts. <laughs> um, but I'm really excited about it. I mean, like both designs are great. It, everybody loves them. Everybody that I've polled so far been like, man, they, that's the hardest part when they have to pick a design. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you have to pick one. I'm not saying that you're only going to get the one, but you just have to pick one. Right, right. For, for, for polling's sake. And they're like, ooh, they're both so good. And I'm like, I know. I'm really pumped about it. So I'm getting, yeah, we'll, we'll send them a shirt. I'll send him some stickers. Um, but yeah, uh, Good Snake is the artist that's been doing my artwork, and she's fabulous. Yeah. I mean, she's been wonderful to work with. So um, I'll have four art pieces, hopefully this month, and shirts and stickers. It's a big merch month. I was going to say. Too bad it's not March. I was going to say, merch month, March. <laughs> Yeah. Well, cool, man. Yeah, that's yeah. that's great. And yeah, having having um, your your Andyisms, Zachisms, Dan Johnisms, you know, these are the things that really I think if you're if you're doing it right, mm-hmm. you're working with a lot of people. These things just come out. Yep. Yeah. Back in the uh, the lifetime days. Uh, my clients made a video, Shit Zach Says. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure I can find it somewhere in the dark recesses of YouTube. Um, but yeah. Yeah, man. And that's, um, that is, that's, that's what it's all about. Giving people anchors, giving people earworms, giving people, you know, motivation and North Stars to to work out by, mm-hmm. you know, I think one of the best compliments is, especially like for my, 
online or distance coaching clients is when they say, I can hear your voice in my head <laughs> at the gym or in the kitchen, as the case may be. Yeah. You know, I'm sure you've gotten that. It's like, ah, uh, you know what? You know, maybe I was going to skip my workout or I was going to, you know, I was thinking, should I do this? Should I do that? And then I heard your voice in my head mm -hmm. going boom, boom, boom. And I think that's something that's pretty special. Yeah. You know, and uh, to a degree, it's a, it's an important responsibility, mm -hmm. you know, because, hey, for better, or for worse, you work out with us, you listen to the podcast, you watch our YouTube videos, our voices get stuck in your head. I know. And we better make sure that we deserve to be there. Well, if they keep coming back after 64 <laughs> episodes, I think we're okay. <laughs> sure. If this is your first episode and you're like, ugh. Then uh, maybe give us another try. <laughs> I was going to say, tune in next week. Yeah, tune in next week, and then you know, maybe we can redeem ourselves. But, um, but yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it works for me as well. It's not like these, these Andy-isms only work one way. Like, um, I've spoken a little bit about my shoulder issues on air recently. Got a bad shoulder, whatever. Today I lifted sort of off script. And by off script, I mean, I, I didn't, I have a written program, but I just, went out, I just do whatever I wanted to. And literally, I was like, as long as the effort's there, it's all working, it's all good. Yeah. I have creative constraints as far as like, like a, a time constraint, um, equipment constraints, shoulder constraints. What can I get done? Which good feels good. Mm -hmm. And I got it done. And it was a great workout. And honestly, in a weird way, if I go into it knowing that all I need is effort and that everything else is just superfluous details, then it's a lot easier sometimes. Sure. Like tomorrow, if I go based on my written program, I have to squat really heavy. And lately it's just, it's been hitting me. This is hit, just hits different. Mm. It punches me in the jaw in a bad way. Mm. And so I've been trying to figure out how to navigate my own workouts on days when I don't feel good, mm. especially these big heavy squat days. And I'm figuring it out because it's all working. It's all good. Yeah. And, you know, and this is one workout among thousands of workouts. Like it doesn't have to be like a, I'm not a gladiator fighting for my life here. You know, it's just squats. So if it looks good, feels good, let's send it. If it doesn't look good and feel good, we'll figure it out once we get there. I do that with my clients all the time. Going back to like, the written program versus deviating mm -hmm. all the time. I'll tell them like, look, we have like an idea of kind of where we want to be. Let's see what we got. And if we get close to it and you're like, ugh, I'm just not feeling it today. Fine. We'll adjust and keep moving. Keep yep. plugging away. The irony of all this is this happened today, this morning, my six o'clock Monday morning, had a client come in, was not feeling great, whatever, whatever. I was like, well, we're supposed to bench 195 for about six. Let's work our way towards it, and then we'll decide what we want to do. He ended up benching 205 for five because mm. he felt good once, yeah. once he got close to it. So early on, he was like, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if, you know, I don't know if I got it. As he was ratcheting up, and maybe because he was working out with a partner that's pretty strong as well, as he got up there, He's like, you know what? Add 10 pounds. Let's go. 205 for five. Made it look good, feel good. I was like, Psh, 
which is off script. It was heavier than I had anticipated that he would go. Yeah. And that's fine. I don't care. I'm not about to throttle him and be like, no, man. I had you pegged at 195 today. Like, you can't. He felt good. Fuck it. Let's go. Yeah. So, it was fun. And, like, he felt good. Looked good. Felt good. The whole energy in the room was great. We were doing some bars, plates, and sunrises, which is another Andyism. <laughs> that's right. Sometimes I have to be the plant energy in the gym. That's fine. Mm. I can I can shoulder that burden. But yeah, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, going off script and it went better than I expected. That's that's the best part. Is when it goes better than expected. Going off script and it turns out better than expected. I could not sum up this podcast any better. I do like that. I'm probably going to use that as a title. <laughs> When going off script goes right. <laughs> the, the A to Z show. When going off script goes right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, if I can bring us back on script for okay. a minute. Yeah, I mean, that's basically... Only because I have something to promote. Back to the kettlebell program. Okay. Uh, yeah. If you recall... When I was at home in Virginia for a long time last year after breaking my leg, uh-huh. I basically came back and was able to put out uh, Kettlebell Foundations, yeah. which was damn near 100 pages of just uh, tutorial content on the basic kettlebell lifts. Right. And it was kind of meant to almost be like a training manual for not only people who are just getting into kettlebells, but also people who are just getting into training, period. Mm. And then like once, once I kind of put that out, I kind of had a feeling that that was going to be the first of a trilogy. Mm. You know, so this is kettlebell, you know, kettlebell foundations, obviously. Here's how to hip hinge. Here's how to squat. Here's how to press. Here's how to row. Here's all of our major patterns. Here's how it applies to the kettlebell. Here's how, you know, we work up basic lifting mechanics, you know, with a kettlebell. And so kettlebell synergy, I think, is the natural progression from that. Mm. You know, on the one hand, it's definitely a way to take a kettlebell beginner lifter to a solid intermediate sure. lifter. But even from there, there's enough flexibility and interpretation in the program itself to really meet you where you are. Hmm. You know, and again, because it's not like, you know, it's not like the, um, the parameters of the workout are like constrained to a certain skill level sure um only in the sense that there's nothing crazy going on you know there's no there's no super advanced movements but again to harken back to like a dan john you know staple is like the advanced lifter is just the best at doing the basics i'm glad you said that because there are a lot of times where uh, I'll have a client that will be working out with, let's say a beginner client, working out with an intermediate client, and they'll make the comment like, oh, well, they're so much stronger and so much fitter, whatever, whatever. 
and I'll tell them, be like, we're all on the same path. Some of us are just a little bit further along than the other. It's just a matter of scale. Like, what we yeah. do in the gym is not, this, these are only for beginners, and these are only for intermediates, and these are only for advanced. We're all doing the same stuff. It's just a matter of scale. Yeah. And, and to your, um, the book that you're about to release, <clears throat> I would not consider myself an advanced trainee, but I would consider myself a high-level intermediate trainee, and I really like the programming a lot. Like, as an inter- like high-level intermediate, I was looking at all three phases like, shit, I kind of want to do this because I think that it'd be good for me, and I think I, I think it would be tough enough. It's not like I'm looking at it like, oh, well, this is outside my, you know, this is for a beginner versus, you know, whatever. I was looking at it through the lens of my own experience as a trainee and as a coach, and I was like, shit, I think I could do this. Or I want, like, I, not I can, like, this would be easy. Like, I think I ought to try this because I think that it would kick my ass in sure. a good way. And it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't overly complicated. It wasn't too in the weeds. It wasn't, like, inundated with, like, 15 different exercises. I was like, this is very straightforward, basic, but I think that it could kick my ass if I really actually put forth effort. I was I very much enjoyed it when I was reading through the fa- different phases. I was uh-huh. like, "Shit, I could probably start at phase one, and it would kick my ass." <laughs> well, thanks, man. Yeah, no, it was very good. I was I was very much in, like enthusiastic about it. Cool. Well, I I appreciate that, and that's very much the attitude that I went into the design the the program design. That's very much the attitude that I came at it with. Mm-hmm. It's like what could simultaneously be motivating for the more like beginner lifter to be like, okay, I can see how I can work through this program and actually finish it. Sure. And then for the more advanced lifter, it's like, okay, how can I just focus on driving intensity into these basic lifts mm-hmm. and getting the most that I can out of them. Mm-hmm. And, and again, that's the whole theme with the program is getting the most that you can out of the fundamental lifts. I mean, at the end of the day, like that's, that's kind of what we're all doing. Right. <laughs> you know? So I just try to set up a program that could be like a go-to program that you could do repeated efforts with like Mm -hmm. you could run back to back right um and that you could do like once or twice a year you know almost almost something like uh in the vein of like a 531 or Mm -hmm. a simple and sinister Mm -hmm. or you know fill in the blank something that also just has enough smart quote-unquote smart programming uh i should say um, targeted programming sure. to it that has like a lot of um, that has a lot of thought behind it you know especially especially going in through phase two with the pressing and the squatting cycles um, I wanted to just kind of put it down on paper to where if somebody followed it to a T they would get the best results. Hmm. If someone followed it kind of halfway, they would still get great results. Yeah. 
you know, and that's um, that was kind of the mentality that I came into it with. So it it went through a few different iterations, and you know, that's why it took the better part of five months, mm. you know, to actually kind of settle on okay, this is it, this is the sweet spot, and then to you know, build some accessory training around it and some bonus content and the nutrition mm-hmm. um, program and webinars around it. So it's like, okay, here's kind of a complete package that is the next logical step after you've completed like kettlebell foundations mm-hmm. on the one hand. On the other hand, something for any kettlebell training enthusiast or lifting enthusiast to dig into and really find something of value. I dig it, man. Yeah. yeah I think yeah. you executed very well. I was, you know, like I said, I was reading through it last night and I was like, holy shit, this is very thorough and comprehensive and challenging. Like, I, I think if you didn't have it, like, if you came at it from an untrained eye, you might look at it and be like, it's too simple. Hmm. Someone who's been doing this long enough, I was like, uh-oh. Oh. <laughs> I was like, don't sleep on like this program. I, I think that this would kick my ass if I really like put a hundred percent effort into it. If I really leaned into it, this would kick my ass. And I'm an intermediate lifter, so yeah, don't yeah. sleep on it. Yeah. Well, I think anybody who can uh, tear his bicep with the um, with the weight that he's lifting should consider himself an advanced lifter. That's true. All right. Did I break into advanced <laughs> lifting by tearing my bicep? I think you did. <laughs> I, earned, I actually think you did. I earned my, my gold star or whatever. I think so. <laughs> I think so. Oh, yeah. man. No, the only way that that makes me an advanced lifter is because I literally, so it was three reps. It was rep number two that my arm popped like a shotgun, <laughs> and I still went for rep number three. I think that makes me an intermediate, or excuse me, advanced lifter at that point, is that my elbow literally exploded like a shotgun, and I was like, let's just keep going. It makes you a lot of things. <laughs> advanced lifter. Adla- advanced lifter is the in the mix. <laughs> is in the mix. Let's just let's just put it to you like that. Uh, that's fair. I'll take that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So exciting times around here. Um, again, maybe as we just kind of wrap up here, we're super stoked to have Dan John mm-hmm. on the show next week. We're thinking that we're going to have a particular line of questioning that's going to revolve around injury, lessons from tough times, motivation and inspiration over the long term. Mm -hmm. So hopefully we'll get some... I'm I'm confident that we're going to get some great conversation out of it. I think you're right, yeah. Yeah. I'm pumped about it. Yeah. And yeah. I have uh, already done a uh, soft launch of the Kettlebell Synergy program. And Andy, thank you so much for taking an early look. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be out for the public this weekend, April 8th or 9th, I think. Um, As soon as I'm done with all the video and the landing page and all that nonsense. But the product itself is is done and I'm super proud of it. And if you're curious about maybe how it can uh, help you in particular, 
you know, just feel free to, uh, to shoot me a message. Mm. You know, I'm trying to include like a Q&A on like the sales page, but there's no way that I can cover like all contingencies. Mm. So uh, if you're curious on how the program itself might benefit you in your particular situation, do feel free to holler. And I'm, I'm super encouraged by the feedback that I'm getting so far. And most of all, I'm glad to have it done. <laughs> <laughs> because it's been the big project on my plate behind the scenes pretty much since Thanksgiving. Wow. Okay. Yeah. 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 So I'm glad that it's glad that it's done and out there. I'm yeah. proud of you, man. Yeah. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you. So with that, as we wrap up, another big word of thanks to Zahn's Brewing. We have been enjoying the new German. Pilsner. It's really good. I've which had a couple pills? Yeah, pills. Sometimes I can kind of take or leave. Mm-hmm. But I really enjoyed this one. Very good. Yeah. 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 So, it's great. And then if we can do a shout out to Zons, they do, they're doing their nine year anniversary party, oh. April tenth, which is today's what the fourth. So yep. that must be Saturday. Yep. All day Saturday anniversary party for Zons Brewing ninth anniversary. Woo. Pumped about it. Right they on. Great beer, so yeah. Yeah. Hey, um, maybe depending on what we got going on Saturday, maybe we can stop by for a drink. We should yeah. stop by. I mean, I think we're the official podcast partner we're like the of Zons Brewing. Of Zons Brewing. <laughs> hey, I didn't want to go there, but I'm glad that you did. <laughs> glad that you did. Yeah. So uh, again. Thanks to the whole Zahn's crew for keeping us hydrated for Mm -hmm. all these episodes here. I'll have to go back and look, but at this point, we've done how many episodes in a row here? I would say at least 25 or 30, at least. Yeah. Because it was like late fall, mid to late fall that we started staying here permanently. Yeah, it was... I would say somewhere around 25. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Time flies. I know, right? When you're, when you're podcasting. Oh, God. So, again, thank you again to Zons. And um, they are hiring bartenders. So if you're mm-hmm. local around the area and you enjoy hanging out, slinging beers. Shooting the shit. Shooting the shit in the, uh, the coolest church in the nations. It is really cool, yeah. <laughs> then uh, do come by and... Uh, Speak to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, this is a, a super cool spot, and we are super thankful to be able to record here week over week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Andy, anything to uh, wrap up with? Uh, I don't think so. I know. All right. Well, be sure to tune in next time mm-hmm. for our guest of the week, Coach Dan John, and... This is a part of what I always hoped the podcast could be, which is Andy and I nerding out and maybe fanboying over some of our biggest influences. So <laughs> I am so, so looking forward to and that. It only took 65 episodes to get there, but okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So again, thank you so much for listening. A to Z, no BS. We will see you next time. Goodbye.